Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of Progeny Podcast. Today, I am joined by Noor Jorgensen from Denmark, a graduate in history of religion and Arabic, who has also obtained a master's in Islamic studies. In today's episode, we'll discuss the life and role of Imam al-Sajjad during the events of Ashura. We will look at the power of the supplications of Imam al-Sajjad in Sahif al-Sajjadiyah, as well as the treaties of rights and the tools that we can gain from these specific texts. Sister Noor, Assalamu Alaikum. Thank you for joining us on Thank this you. special um, podcast. Um, firstly, um, how are you finding London? Oh, uh, very well. It's very different from Denmark. Oh, so, is it? Yeah, it's, there's a lot of diversity and it's, it's interesting getting to know London. Okay, so uh, you prefer here or do you prefer back home? Oh, I can't really tell, can I? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, it's good to have you in London. Um, I say that because we've managed to have you on this podcast. Um, in today's um, podcast, as I mentioned to you, I want to discuss the Imam Sajjad, we're going through the time of Arba'in, uh, this period in which a lot of people go for the ziyarat of Imam Hussein, Um Firstly, um, have you been to Ziyarat uh, to Karbala or Najaf yet? Or? I have been for Ziyarat, but tomorrow will be my first time traveling for Arabayin. Inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. I hope you get there safely and return safely, inshallah. inshallah. Um, firstly, how did you uh, start your research and study on Imam Sajjad, what inspired you to look into the life of Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him? I think studying at the Hausa and living there, uh, the supplications or the prayers became a normal routine. And I came across the, the Dua Makarimul Akhlaq. Um, and it, it, it fascinated me. Like I was mesmerized by it. Because if you want to read it in the sense of understanding God, you will find God there. Mm-hmm. If you want to read it in the sense of understanding who the Prophet and the Imams, peace be upon them, were, like you're going to find them there. If you want to stand there or if you want to get to know the imam of our time you will find him there and you also if, if you want to get to know yourself but of course this text has been the massive influence of um of ethics and the study of ethics so because of this prayer i was introduced to the study of ethics and when i had to choose what major i wanted to go into i chose philosophy of ethics and going into my thesis um, it became very natural to me that it was something related to Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, or something related to his prayers. Um, with regards to Imam Sajjad, um, I know you've uh, you've researched into the, the, the journey of Imam Sajjad uh, after Karbala. From your research, what can we learn about Imam Sajjad? Firstly, while in Karbala, uh, why he couldn't obviously from your own research why he couldn't partake in the war and then his journey after after the events of Karbala and Ashura so Imam Sajjad peace be upon him fell sick mm-hmm. and couldn't take part of uh, of the battle or defending them so I've read narrations I read like uh, like points from our history books on him even being so sick that he was in and out of consciousness so okay. he was like and I always imagine this this image 
of him waking up and then hearing the horrors of what was going on and then falling out of consciousness again. And there's this beautiful part, you know, where he hears his father, Imam Hussein, peace be upon him, calling out for help. And he was like trying to get up and try to reach his father. Uh, but also we're told by his father, you know, you have another position. Um, but I imagine myself being there because going through this kind of horrors, like you want to do something, you want to flee this natural human instincts. So we have to understand the imams, peace be upon them, from this perspective, right? So as long as they're in the human body, they still feel the same kind of feelings that we feel. Yeah. Right? They still they still feel this frightened, they still feel pain, they still feel all these kind of things. So I always, I've never had one Muharram where I didn't see the whole event through the eyes of Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him. Mm-hmm. He was there sick. He then had to be protected by his aunt, Zayda Zainab. And also going through like, like, you know, can you imagine, you know, as a man in that area, even in this time, not being able to protect the women and the children, mm-hmm. not being able to protect your father, your uncle, your brothers, and the rest of the family it must have been like, I can't even imagine the horrors that he went through. So that was the whole scene of his life. But that was the first day of him being the imam. Mm-hmm. Imagine what kind of start that is for being an imam, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the journey begins. Yeah. And then he had to walk like next to the body of his father, peace be upon him. And the horrific scene where we have narrations from Sayyid Zainab describing as he was fainting. Mm. So also understanding Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, you also have to understand his relationship and his position with Sayyid Zainab and how they supported each other through, uh, through these horrors that yeah. were going on. And then the, 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 another difficult part is, is obviously getting to Sham, um, Syria today, uh, and then being taken into the palace of, 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 of Yazid, which of course, as I mentioned, we remember the whole story during these, these, these nights and the, these, these weeks. Um, there's the, the, the very famous sermon which he has given uh, which is narrated uh, from your research on Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him. How reliable is is, is the sermon? Mm. Uh, and why do you think um, not enough, I say, attention is given to the sermon, even though it's quite a powerful sermon? Mm-hmm. It is. I think we have a misconception in our communities about Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him. Mm-hmm. So we refer to him as the Imam who cried a lot, right? Or the sick. Yeah. That's how, that's how we know him. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what amazes me about him. The way that he tackled all this hardship that he went through. And like his life from that day on, not only the sermon, the sermon was beautiful. And as they say, there was like, the, the palace of Yasid was like shaking because of the power of, like the power of these sermons. Imagine having to go through that, like all the horrors that he went through, even like having the chains around your neck, burning your skin and people mocking you, people laughing at you and the way not even understanding who you are and still being able to deliver such a sermon. So regards to history, there will always be like different opinions, even 
uh, even about his um, his supplications. There were a lot of discussions about is it really like his supplication? Can we date like from a historical point of view, from research point of view, that mm-hmm. it was his supplications? Interesting. Um, but most researchers today say no, it must be, or at least it's someone with some divine connection mm-hmm. because the power of these sermons we I th- oh sorry the power of the Supplication. supplications and the same thing with the sermon and there's so much we can learn from it but i think it doesn't go with the general narrative of him being the sick imam or he being sick or him being um the crying yeah the the imam who cried so that's why i think we don't pay much attention to the powerful character traits that imam sajad peace be upon him had Academically, is there is there much, um, and we'll go into the the supplications uh, in a bit. But is there much written on Imam Sajjad in the academic world? No, not at all. Like mm-hmm. he's really, and it amazed me because we have so much knowledge about Ashura because and I know the events. In, and sorry to interrupt. I know, and in, and in, in, in even even though you know he's a he's a figure that's well respected in in all Muslim sects. Uh, in in the Sunni sect, there are some you know mentions of him in, in in some books. So I'm surprised that nothing is mentioned of him academically. Yeah, it depends on what perspective. So of course he's mentioned in in relation to supplications yeah. and the Book of the Rights, but not really much about his life in general. I think that's that's where the lessons are. You know, how did he handle his life after? those horrors that he saw, that event, that the 10th of Muharram. And that's where the real lessons are. So even in academia, we don't have much research. And it could be interesting even from, so as for today, we have a lot of, we talk a lot about mental health issues, mm-hmm. how to deal with trauma, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we have the answers right here, but there's not much research really done on this area. What about with, the, with regards to, Sahifa uh, Sajjadiyya which is you know full of these great supplications and, and Risalat al-Huquq as you mentioned the, the treaties of rights which speaks about the rights of your your your, hand, your body parts as well as you, you, you know people linked with you whether it's your mother uh, your neighbor you know all, all these all these different rights uh, is there much academically are they are there have they been you know has anyone taken these rights and, and written maybe a, done a PhD or some sort of research on them? Um, if not, isn't that, do you, don't you feel sometimes, you know, the Shias themselves should be doing stuff like this? I have never come across any PhD or any research specifically on it. And yes, of course, in the Qom and maybe also in the Najaf atmosphere, there's a lot of things done about, especially within the studies of ethics. Mm-hmm. But I think from the from academia and the Western universities, we need a lot of knowledge about this. And even going into the discussions on whether it could be his supplications or not, like all these historical discussions on, is it reliable? Did somebody else write it, et cetera? But we can say for certain, I know that from my own personal life, doing interfaith work, doing work in prisons, et cetera, these books are so well used, not only by Shi'is, but also about Sunni Muslims and from Christians and non-Muslim, because, you know, everybody is lacking that in their life, aren't we? Like, we're all searching for that happiness, that meaning, that purpose. 
And we all like the small quotes and the small pictures on yeah. social media mm -hmm. about love and happiness and meaning of life. And the imam has already served that for us in these books. So that's why a lot of people, um, no matter background, they still find inspiration in, in these books. I know, and uh, I don't know if you've come across uh, this, but in the in the Sufi texts, there's a lot of um, similar dhikrs. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not what the same words, but similar sort of meanings to some of the the du'as of of Imam Sajjad. Obviously, they don't sadly attribute it to Imam Sajjad. I don't know. Have you come across any of the Sufi texts that are very similar to the the du'as and the supplications of Imam Sajjad? Yeah, there is a book called the Khusala, um, mm. and that has a lot of beautiful prayers in it. But I also met a lot of Sufis who actually take a lot of knowledge from not only the Ahl-Bayt, uh, peace be upon them, but also uh, Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him. So I think that his work, that's what amazes me about it. So you have to understand what kind of environment that he lived in. Yasid was still the ruler. This person, he... He, um, who had your whole family killed and not even killed, but like slaughtered in the most horrific ways, have humiliated you, the women have chained you. You still have to live under that ruler. And that ruler, even like a few years after, said it was all right, you know, for the, um, doing the rebellion of Medina, the women were raped. I said, there is no honor of the women of Medina. Like there was the most... Like, we don't even pay much attention to who Yasid was bef maybe before, but not even after, because he kept on having this same behavior. So Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, he had to be smart, right? He had to act with a lot of hikmah. He had to act with a lot of grace in order to keep Islam alive. And Yasid couldn't care much for supplications. Mm -hmm. That's why all the teachings are formed in supplications. From God. Yeah. yeah. Because they're actually like, there are political like tools for us. We will okay. understand our religion, politics, history, the imams, ourselves, how to interact. All these kind of things are hidden in the present supplications. But we don't see that when we first read it. And we have this horrible habit of thinking, oh, it's just a supplication book. It's just a prayer man, or we're just going to leave it on the shelf until that, that specific day or that specific time of year where we need that. But it has tools for us to even understand every single aspect of our lives. And he wrote a lot about politics in them, but he had to hide it so Yasid wouldn't notice. Because who wouldn't care much about supplications? supplications. Of course, yeah. How how does one? I mean, this 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 always is, is a question that comes to mind. How does one who goes through so much horror, such a such a tragedy, can still continue to preach? to the people, if not the killers of his family, if not those that participated in the war, but at least we can say those that did not care. They stayed quiet about the killing. They they did not stand up with with Imam Hussein by even saying a word. You know, they, they kept themselves at home because, you know, and this also, I always bring this up is, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the Kufans, they let the Imam down and, and they, they didn't stand up with Imam Hussein. I, I sometimes say, you know, where were the people of Medina? What about the people of Mecca? If you look at the companions of, I, I know this is a side point, but if you look at the, the majority of the 70 or 80 or however many people were with Imam Hussein, 
the majority were from Kufa. Um, so how does, you know, coming back to the question, how does one um, preach to the people that did not stand up with, with his father and, and let his father be killed? And his father, obviously, is the grandson of the prophet. This is one of the things that really amazes me about him. Mm-hmm. So it's not me coming and telling you, you should do good, right? That only good repels evil, that only good erases evil. This is a person who's seen the worst kind mm-hmm. of evil. When he talks about evil in his books or in his, his works, imagine what kind of evil that is. And then he also, there's, there's, there's two different things of the answer I want to give. Another one is a clear example when Marwan came to Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, okay. during the rebellion, where he, of course, was scared for the lives of the women and the children, That's because women way. were raped. Mm-hmm. He came to Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, and look at who came, right? Marwan. It was not, yeah, it was not a friend of his. It was not some, on the contrary, somebody with a clear enemy of the, of the family of the Prophet, peace be upon them. He came and he still asked. And imagine, like, why would you do that? Why would you ask someone? That you've, you've bought, took in the war against yeah, his dad. Yeah, because do you know, even his enemies, you may say, they knew of his qualities, right? It's like he, they knew. He wouldn't turn them away. No. Hey. Yeah. So they came and he said, what is the crime of these women and children? And imagine, wasn't that the same words that his father just said mm-hmm. about his baby brother? Like, can this baby not have some water? What is the crime of this child? Et cetera, et cetera. So it's very funny how, you know, there's this loop where everything goes in circle and he's still, he's like, no, just invite them in. They have done no crimes. And some narrations, some, some reports say there was over 400 women staying there wow. seeking protection. And those are the people, imagine, if it was us, we could say, see, I told you so. Look at this ruler. You didn't care when he was targeting my family and me, but now you care because it's it's targeting sure, your family. But yeah. well, that's the beautiful thing about, about Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him. He is teaching us not how you should repel, but how you should be. Right? Whenever he says in his supplication, only good repels or only good erases evil, he doesn't say only justice erases evil. He doesn't say only revenge. He doesn't say only like holding a grudge. Nay, he say only good. And no matter what prayer you're reading, no matter what, even in the rites, you know, he's always trying to strive to do good. So he was in an environment where there was so much horror, but he turned it around and teaching people, this is how you should be. And he had to do it in such a way. But that's, you know, even if I didn't believe in his divine relation with God and being a part of the household of the prophet, peace be upon them, this would be the proof. How could a person do these kind of things? These are some of the reasons why Christians later on in history called Jesus the son of God. Because they saw these beautiful qualities within him. That people did horrors to him, but he was still acting and behaving good. And I honestly sometimes think maybe it's like, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe there's something, maybe there's a hikmah from God to why he is, uh, have, this is hidden. It is known in our communities. We know that it's in our books, but why do we not pay more attention to it? And maybe it's good. 
maybe we, we would have had similar reactions if people really understood the character traits of Imam Sajjad, peace people really understood how can a person go through that kind of horrors, have going through massive trauma, and he still talks about him crying. And when people ask him about crying, he says, of course I'm going to cry. How can I not? Mm-hmm. And going through trauma, even in our own life, we know that it changes us forever. So whenever I always imagine him sitting, maybe he didn't write it down, but he was telling people, you know, writing down the du'a for noble traits and like talking about that only good can repel evil and asking God to replace the hate, the hate with love. Imagine what kind of hate that he knows of. And then he still asks for God to replace it with love. And I always imagine him sitting there writing this down or preaching this to, to his, um, yeah. And then, thinking of what kind of hate, like there was not one second of his life that he did not remember what happened that day. And that teaches us that even like, despite what have happened in our lives, we know and we can accept that it's to be a part of our life. We don't need to go back to who we were before that happened. We can have the wounds and they can heal and we can have scars and we can beautify the scars. We don't need to open the wound all the time. We don't need to cover the scars. And I think that's the issue. That's the issues we have. We want to go back to before the trauma instead of beautifying it and say, yeah, I went through this, but I'm not going to let that define me. I am not what happened to me. I am the person who rose. I am the person that despite A, B and C happening to me, I am still doing good. If we have someone doing something to you, you went through a trauma or it can be a small thing or like a larger thing, then you identify with that trauma. But the people, the person who have done this to you, they will just win, right? They will have the control over you until you die because you let them be a part of that trauma. You let them be a part of your identity and your self-image. But Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, he teaches us you have to let go of that. Because there's so much more, you have to rise above this. And you have to show them, you treated me this way, it's all right. I'm going to pray for you. You I'm going to pray for all these good things. Like even he has in his prayers that may God give him the grace to whenever people are backbiting. Such a small common problem we have in the communities. If people are backbiting, please God. Give me the grace so I can have a good mention of them. Mm-hmm. All these on all different kinds of layers. And yeah, that's... As you mentioned something uh, which reminds me of um, of the famous line of, you know, especially when you spoke about healing, uh, the famous line of Sayyidah Zainab, which says, you know, Mara'itu illa jamila, I have seen nothing but beauty. And, you know, that, that, that sort of describes the how the Ahlul Bayt, and again, you, we mentioned Lady Zainab and Imam Sajjad, peace be upon them both, how they were this great partnership that formed. Um, and something that I, I, I want to pick up on, is this, and you, you, you touched upon it. We always, I've heard, you know, of course, we've, we've heard the story of Marwan coming to Imam Sajjad uh, on many occasions, but you mentioned something very important, I feel, um, is that, you know, if usually, if, you know, if we're talking about our lives, if you know you've upset someone, you won't really go for them, go to them for a favor because you know they'll say no to you. No, and they knew that 
um, they they'd get without asking for return, which is the same. You know, you just mentioned with 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 Marwan, he came because he knew that Imam Sajjad wouldn't wouldn't turn him away. And again, you know, all these all these famous stories, and again, because you've studied this in an academic atmosphere. Um, what needs to be, do you feel needs to be done for this uh, to be spread more? Whether it's these stories or, or these supplications. What do you think we as a community need to do? Um, repay you in some way. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's also the basic for why we see like not only these examples, but like all of the imams, right? So that comes to your question. What do we do? Like we have a lack of knowledge in our communities. So look at it. Like we have the most beautiful role models in our communities. Mm-hmm. We have the most beautiful role models. We have every single answer. Are you going through something? I'm telling you, some of the imams went through it, right? To some degree. You can always find um an answer or way or anything in the biographies or the lives of the imams, peace be upon them. There's a huge lack of knowledge. I think we could, if we really implemented like new tradition, not new in the sense of um, removing Dua Kumil from Thursday and then mm, putting yeah. in a new, yeah, yeah. but also gathering together and like reciting these, understanding these, having study groups about where people will reflect upon it. So we don't need to have studied five years, 10 years, have done all your research about it. But I would love to sit in groups with the community, taking one line after the other and discussing what what kind of reflection, what does this bring to mind? How can we implement this in our own lives? So I think that's that might be one of the things that we could do just to get more knowledge. Because as I said earlier, we have that, uh, most of us have the book at home and all the books at home, or we can find them online. It's not something that's so rare that we cannot find it. And that's another thing. Um, it's so beautiful how God protected, right? We have lost so many books in history, but this this has been protected. And there is a reason behind that. And I honestly feel like Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, he thought of us, of our community, where we don't have a direct connection to the Imam of our time. But having these supplication, we would know how he would think. We would know how he wanted us to act. So I think like generally more community work on bringing this supplication into like workshops, however like this the community feels like doing it. So yeah, I, I think because um, something that, that is definitely lacking uh, uh, is that the duas such as, for example, one famous dua that every follower of the Ahl Bayt would know is dua Abu Hamza Thamali. And everyone's like, oh, this is the best dua. I love dua Abu Hamza. I can't wait to read it. And you're like, why can't you wait to read it? They're like, oh, because we read it in Ramadan, Laylat al Qadr. And you're like, but why only Ramadan? So so I think this is something that, and you, you said it, you know, uh, our. our sort of um, understanding of Imam al-Sajjad is, is limited. Of course, no matter how much you study Imam al-Sajjad, you'll never really know the true essence. But it's, it's even worse when your understanding is limited to the what we say in Arabic, we use the word alil, 
the 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 sick the the ill uh, which is which i sometimes think it's good to remember him uh, in karbala and obviously it's good to mention that you know he went through this 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 illness this uh, while the, the battle was taking place but then we limit him to this and then we limit him to the imam crying for 30 odd years because he lived after Ashura for 34 or 35 years after Ashura. So we'll say, you know, every time he was given food or water, he would cry, which is, as you mentioned, you know, there, would, there wouldn't be a, a single second in his life where he doesn't think about Ashura and the events of Karbala. Yet, it's all good knowing these two things, we've neglected everything else from his du'as like du'a Makaram al-Akhlaq, du'a Abu Hamza, du'a Tawbah, and many other du'as that are present in Sahih al-Sajjadiyah, they're present in our, in, our, in our books, but they're present for the Laylatul Qadr, they're present for when I'm in Hajj, mm-hmm. they're present when I'm in, you know, and when I'm in real trouble in mm-hmm. my life and I need, I need a powerful du'a, then I'll go to it. But, that's about it, I guess, um, and and that's 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 that's, I feel you know injustice mm. being done by us to the. To I've them. seen a lot of people who have gone into who are non-Muslims, but have gone into this new new age, like mindfulness and all these thoughts. So you have the concept of having a mantra, right, mm-hmm. or having meditation, and you do that. Not because sometimes we do interfaith work, and people ask you, "Why do you need to pray in specific times?" Mm-hmm. It's like because I pray when I feel good, and when I don't feel good, and when I don't care, and when I care, and when mm-hmm. I'm stressed, and when I'm not stressed, and when I'm lazy. Like, I, you know, there is a powerful thing in doing something as a habit, doing something that we don't understand the full like hikmah behind why we yeah, need to do this. But then having the concept of having a mantra. I did this to myself. So I chose a certain line in a supplication by Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him. I thought this is very important to my life right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this every single day. It's not long because we can't really take much burden upon ourselves. We still have like a life that we have to attend to. So instead of reading the full du'a, it was like 20 minutes or reading a part of it with 10 minutes. Like, no, I'm just going to read one line. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to promise myself, I'm going to read this line every single day. And you know what? It really changed your life. Like there's no hardship. no. You just have a new perspective of things. But I think we fail as a community when we have made it a thing where we read it only in Ramadan or only here. Because only, we can feel it. We love Ramadan, don't we? Because we feel spiritual. But what if spiritual. you do the same practices every you don't need to fast every day you don't need to read supplications it takes or pray that takes like one hour two hours every day you can do small things and there is a hikmah by doing things as i don't remember i don't want to quote any of the imams wrongly but you know doing a small deed uh every day or or as a habit is better for you than doing a lot you know and, and only once in a while so we can really Im, like, implement this in our life. And it also comes to the purpose of our whole being. Our purpose of our being is to find happiness, mm-hmm. right? God created that in you. Created that like eagerness to find happiness. We can say in all humans, it doesn't matter who you are, you want happiness. We find happiness in love, so people are searching for love. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all aspects. We, we will... Um, 
have children and feel that kind of love. And we will feel like that's the purpose of life. But in reality, the purpose of life is to be near God. Mm-hmm. Like it's to worship, but worship in this sense of purpose, meaning having nearness to God or being close to God. But we can't be close to God in a physical way. So he taught us his attributes and he planted that. He planted seeds of those attributes within you. That's why we have ethics. That's why the imams are teaching us these things. That's why Imam Sajjad and his example is so important to us. Because not only does he teach us about God, but he is giving you the full manual of this is the purpose of your life. But are you searching for something? It's there. But we need, as communities, we need to implement that as well. And not limit in thinking, oh, it's only for Thursday nights or Mondays or Ramadan or this night and this night. But we have a lot to work on. And that's a good thing. We already have the tools, right? So we just need to 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 change that final bit for us to implement it as a normal thing. And I think we could see our whole community blossom because we see every single person have come across us and like every single person, doesn't matter whether it's just one line a day or a short piece or like a section of it every single day. If you do that, you blossom. And I think if we do that as a community, we would really blossom. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting you mentioned uh, prayer that you do, whether you're happy, sad, you care, you don't care. And again, going back to Karbala and going back to the 11th of Muharram, again, we listen to this all the time, which, and then we listen to it and then it upsets us. But again, we don't maybe do that extra step, I feel. And again, this is a general point. Not everyone obviously is the same, but... That when we speak, when we remember on the 11th of Muharram, Imam Sajjad looks at his auntie, Lady Zainab, peace be upon them both. And he tells her, I noticed that you're praying your Salat al-Layl, your night prayers, while sitting down. And then, you know, she responds that the, the tragedy of your father, Imam Hussein, has left me in such a state where I, I don't have any energy to stand up. And, you know, it's, 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 it's again, a very sad moment that we narrate. But the, 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 the lesson there is that even on, you know, going through what she went through, which, uh, you know, as much as we, we recite and we, we narrate and we read about it, it's really hard to actually comprehend what she went through, uh, what those holy eyes of Lady Zainab, peace be upon her, saw on that day. It's, far, it's very difficult for us to understand. Yet, even though she's gone through that, she hasn't forgotten not her normal prayers, not the obligatory prayers. Um, she hasn't forgotten that must have the recommended prayers. You know, I talk about myself. Uh, if something's wrong within my life, before you know it, I, you know, prayer is something that I'll put aside because something's happened in my life. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, I keep saying this. We, we take some parts that I, we feel are important and, 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 we, and we, leave, we leave the rest and we forget that, you know, the religion of Islam did not come for us to, it's not a pick and mix. <laughs> you know, you can't choose what you, what you like and, um, and we, what, you, what, what, you, what doesn't suit, suit you, which again brings me back to uh, Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him. Uh, from from the, the the research that that, that you went through, what um, because this I feel is very important from from the du'as from these supplications, and you mentioned this. What part do you feel 
was political from 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 these supplications. I don't know if you could remember the lines or the particular du'as, the particular supplications were political that you've come across or you feel were political. So do you, doing the analysis, doing the research, uh, there are lines, unfortunately I don't remember specific, but there are a lot of lines. I read a book, amazing book, I don't remember the name, no uh, but bless the author, uh, talking about how whenever Imam Sajjad, peace be upon him, used to refer to them, or there's a line in the dua for, for noble traits where the Imam is asking God to protect him against the hand who, who would um, be unjust towards him or harm him. And all these, ref- like, this is a reference to the, to the ruler. Yeah. So they might be well hidden. Mm-hmm. But another thing I thought of, like, like this is a complete off topic, but like we live in communities or in societies where we tackle Islamophobia. And mm-hmm. as a woman, I know wearing hijab or wearing the headscarf in public, you will sometimes have to tackle Islamophobia. How do we go around dealing with, governments that we find unjust mm. right so the imam already answered that in his prayers and i don't know i find it very beautiful that he never went out and seeking rebellion or seeking revenge, revenge. yeah but he understood that there's a hikmah not that it wasn't in his place with well, other parts of history but he understood there is a hikmah behind changing yourself or using this as inspiration to do good and showing them this is how you should behave. Because as we know, probably like if he would have done the same, what would Yassid have done? Like mm. There's a hikmah behind him yeah, yeah. teaching us about the government in this hidden way. So there's, you know, I'm sure there's there's many hidden gems in these in these supplications which uh, you you beautifully uh, mentioned uh, that uh, that how do we deal with with unjust or nowadays with with Islamophobic uh, agendas against us? Uh, so there's 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 so many gems and one of these gems which you mentioned which is again a problem that uh, is very much spoken about, I guess, uh, is that of mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's a trending topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's very important not to put it down. It's, it's a very important topic. Uh, a lot of people are, are suffering from it. Uh, a lot of people are trying to seek the best way to tackle this uh, and of course, there's different levels of 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 what kind of mental health uh, leading to, to some sort of de- sometimes depression or, or severe depressions. Um, and again, you you mentioned that the the, the supplications of Imam Sajjad uh, are a tool we can say because of course we we believe just like with your health with your physical health. You know, there's du'as, there's supplications for your physical health, but it doesn't mean you don't go see the doctor or you say, I'm not going to take any, any medication. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do both. Uh, same with mental, with, with anyone that's, that's suffering with anything to do with mental health. What are the, 
the the lessons that are gained mm-hmm. what are the hidden mm-hmm. gems that you've come across from from this mm-hmm. this great man imam sajjad through his supplications and of course knowing that he went through mm-hmm. all these horrors that he did um i think you men- mentioned something very important so if you are going through depression not that you are depressed in some so but you are going through dep- depression you have any other mental health issues you need to seek the correct yeah. yeah you need to see someone who seek someone who is professional in this area yeah of course yeah of course but as for feeling down feeling depressed it was going like this is also after right so i have gone through a trauma i now get help mm-hmm. but how do i tackle my everyday life i might have gone through the trauma it's then the past mm-hmm. but these prayers also these supplications helps you to understand you know what trauma does need to be something you put behind you don't re- need to remember it as this is a part if ever i meet you for the first time i'm going to tell you all this trauma of my life mm-hmm. because that's that shows you who you are right what are the first things we tell people about ourselves that shows like who we identify as oh, yeah. and if if one of those first things we tell other people is something traumatic or something related to trauma in your life that trauma might be following you we can't say that trauma doesn't change you it does if something happened if an event happened you will not be the same person you you will not react in the same way the day before as the day after these would be two different reactions there would be two different mindset there would be two different ways of understanding the world but what the imam then teaches us is using that accepting you have this this has been a part of you there's nothing wrong with have gone through trauma you're perfectly fine but instead of opening the wounds all the time let's beautify those scars so when we stand in front of god we might be full of scars but the only thing god will see is all the beautiful things that you did right so the day after the imam peace be upon him died there was a sudden poverty in medina mm-hmm. and a man asked his son imam baqir peace be upon him that do you know of this and he said yes that was my father he was going around every single night covered making sure every single person had not food so there wouldn't be any poverty and imagine this is a person who's who easily in our context was like i have the rights to be depressed my whole life i'm just going to hide away i'm not going to do anything for other people even when like when we interact with other people right if i do something to you and then come and apologize i often don't just say i'm sorry i would say i'm sorry i did this because a b and c oh i'm sorry i did this because i was stressed i did this because blah 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 mm-hmm. in reality that other person that you are apologizing to don't need to hear it doesn't want the reasons. you are the person who needs to say that because you want to feel good about yourself you want to justify the things that you just said that's why you're saying it out loud it's not for the benefit of the other person but imagine this and then the imam still teaches us that you know what let go of that we just do good for the sake of good and we apologize for the sake of apologizing the there's a narration which uh, comes to mind 
which is um, narrated, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, by the eighth Imam uh, Ali ibn Musa Radha, peace be upon him, who speaks about as-safh al-jameel. He says the beautiful forgiveness or the beautiful pardon in which he says when you go to seek forgiveness from someone that you've upset or ask uh, for someone to forgive you, to pardon you, uh, and the person says, you know, I'm sorry, then you shouldn't ask for excuses or reasons uh, because the fact that they've, and this is to add to your point, that when you come to say sorry, don't give reasons. <laughs> um, and I paraphrase, the imam says that, if the person's coming to say sorry to you, don't ask for 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 reasons and don't say, you know, why did you do this? You know, you know, why couldn't you do this? Instead, just the fact that he's coming to say sorry to you, just accept his his his, his forgiveness. If obviously it's a true uh with a true heart. And again, going back to to Karbala, when and this I always bring up as well when I look at forgiveness, is when Hur comes to say Oh Imam, is, can I can I apologize to you? Is there a tawbah? Um and can I be repentant to Allah? And the Imam doesn't say, Oh Har, you know, why did you do this? Why did you put my women, my family, my children through this hardship? Because if we you know, again, if we go through history, it was hard at the start. He says, you know, if you're if you're sincere, then Allah will, will forgive you. And I think these again, I'm coming, I keep coming back to the same point. We 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 hear these every year, if not you know more than once during the year. And alhamdulillah, it's a blessing. I I I thought about this the other day. I don't know if you agree. I thought alhamdulillah that we have the imams, of course, but alhamdulillah that we have we have shahadat and waladats of 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 the of the of the ahl bayt where we commemorate the. And celebrate their martyrdoms and their and their and their birth dates, uh, and I said this is really good because uh, as a community, we end up going to the mosque mm-hmm. quite a lot because forget you know that we we are blessed to have the the ten fifteen whatever twenty nights during the month of Muharram and Safar sometimes even more, but we have always so there's always that connection we have because obviously when we go to the mosque we listen to the Quran there's a supplication. There's probably a lecture which we learn from, but there's that connection that is always there. Sometimes we we we've left that connection, um, and and the, the, we we listen to 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 these lessons. We gain from them. Will upsets us. We'll cry about them, but then we won't practice them mm-hmm. on in our in our in our lives. And the the prophet and when he delivered the message of Islam. Even though it was delivered theoretically through 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 the Quran and through his his words, but he also did this practically. So, for example, when he said, uh, "Oh, people, you are created from uh, male and female and tribes, uh, so you can get to know each other." The best out of you is the person that's that is more pious through his deeds. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, or if you're from this country, or if you're from if you're an Arab or a non-Arab, you're all the same in the eyes of God. He didn't just say this and say this, okay, now let's, he actually practiced it where he, he the people around him were from different nations, from different backgrounds, different races. So we are very good. And again, this is a general point, so I don't want everyone to say, oh, why are you, why are you saying this? We're not like this. We are very good at preaching, but we're not very good at 
actually practically showing this. I don't mm-hmm. know how you feel as someone that's also uh, a, a convert to, to Islam. No. Do, you, do you see this? I don't know if... if yeah, of course. Especially when you're introduced to Islam through books and through stories and mm-hmm. you you might be a bit disappointed than meeting people. Okay. And now I'm a part of like the Muslim community myself. So I can also yeah. say that about myself. I need to remind myself mm-hmm. um, that we have a, like with a huge blessing also comes a responsibility. That's true. And we have the truth. We have these blessings. We have these reminders. And as you mentioned, we both have uh, the days of the martyrdoms and also the birth and the, the needs to be this balance. We don't only mourn losing them and the way uh, they were killed, but we also celebrate that they have walked this earth. They are our role models. But yes, as for then implementing all these kind of things in our communities, in ourselves, um, I think we need a lot of awareness about who we're actually dealing with. Um, And I think... I feel like that's a responsibility for everyone in the community. Yeah, it's not just uh, the scholar or yeah. the person dealing with the mosque. Yeah, we need to remind ourselves or each other, or even if there's a community asking the scholar to speak more about the lives of the imams. If you want to get to know them, if you want to understand, and you can have like reflection groups on how can I implement this in my own personal life? How can we, are we really going to be the followers? Like, what chances are that the imam of our time is going to come and he's going to look at us and saying, you know what? You were giving the most blessings. You were giving all the tools. Now I'm going to leave you like the end because like all these other people, they knew how to implement good manners. They knew how to behave, but you got all the tools. Like who are you to say, no, we were not like, we didn't have any knowledge of this because yeah. we did. But that's a huge you know, with everything, like all kind of change in our behavior with habits, we know that it's so easy to get a bad habit, isn't it? Yeah. And if the whole community does the same bad habit, it's just very easy to fall into it. Changing that habit might take, what, 30, 40 days narration, like yeah. a state. So we have a lot of work to do. That habit can sometimes become part of the religion. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think is... we have a lot of habits that are part of our religion now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, um... It's it's great having you on this on this podcast. I'm hoping that inshallah you'll you'll join us soon as well. Um, um, you'll probably see or hear Sister Noor um, in your probably local center or lecturing. I know that you you also lecture, so I'm sure the the community here in London and other communities wherever you travel will benefit from from your knowledge. It's great to have you on, and thank you for making time. Thank you for having me. <laughs>